You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. Well, welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. We are back uh, post Thanksgiving. Uh, Matt uh, will hopefully join us in a little bit. He's still uh, recovering from uh, the weekend losses and revelry i am obviously in a different location i managed to still find a blank white room uh but i i'm coming to you live from california uh where uh, my wife and i are on a little post thanksgiving trip but uh joining me today dennis how are you doing i am back and bigger and better than ever thanks to thanksgiving i think that's everyone's uh isn't it though i saw some uh Eric Wood, former center for the uh, Buffalo Bills, posted a scale shot. He gained nine pounds over the weekend. I mean, I I don't know why you would just want to weigh yourself like that. It's going to lead to nothing but sadness. Yeah, I, I'm not. I just know how I feel, and I feel fantastic. Well, it was an interesting uh, week of football. Uh, before we dive in to recap week 12, starting with the Thanksgiving games, uh, I wanted to mention that we are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are proud to be part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. A lot of great shows on there. Everyone uh, retweets their shows with the hashtag TPPN. Hopefully you have heard that once or twice before. If not, it's in the upper, I'm going to say right-hand corner. Uh, yep. I feel hopeful. Uh, but 
you can look for all the shows on the network. We're proud to be part of the network, and uh, we are going to dive right into the action. And we started with Thursday. Uh, interesting slate of games. All three of the road teams won. I don't know if I would have predicted that prior to, but we're going to start with uh, the first game, which was the Chicago Bears. Uh, no Justin Fields headed into Detroit. Detroit led for most of that game trying to make Dennis's Thanksgiving dreams come true. But at the end, Chicago is able to pull it out with a field goal as time expired to win 16 to 14. The Bears get the win. A lot of talk during the game, if you were listening with the announcers on, about how good Andy Dalton looked and how he might be uh, just what Matt Nagy needs to try to get some wins down the stretch. Do you agree or do you think they should go back to Justin Fields when healthy? Well, I think it's kind of a no-win situation. You know, I, I feel like we all believe that Matt Nagy is gone. So he can play Dalton, who has a lower ceiling, might be better this year, or he can play field so he can develop. Either way, I don't think it's it matters for Nagy's job. So you end up with, you know, a young quarterback who's learning the ropes, who's likely going to be in a new offense next year, a veteran quarterback who's probably playing. Uh, he he revisits in one of my comments later on in another game, uh, but he's probably playing for a contract somewhere else right now. So I don't know. I kind of feel like it might be doing Dalton a solid by letting him play and letting Fields kind of take in the rest of the year after getting beat up a little bit. Yeah, I guess my only – so may, that was the great argument for letting Dalton start at the beginning of the season. Uh, but, you know, the Bears are four and seven. I know technically they're still in the wild NFC playoff race. If the NFC playoffs started today, a sub 500 team would be in the playoffs. I don't know how you feel, but I tend to feel that all the teams are going to be at least nine wins that make it into the playoffs. Um, so I don't think we're going to have sub 500 teams, but even if we did, I don't know if the bears are the team I would bet on. Andy Dalton was fine yesterday, but they were taken to the limit by a Detroit team that didn't have any receivers and lost Deandre Swift pretty early in the game. They didn't have Allen Robinson. I still don't think they know how to use David Montgomery because sometimes it's like, Oh my God, that guy's on our team. And then they remember to give him a few carries. I I thought Justin Fields was playing better before they went on a bye, and then he got hurt kind of early in that game. I I wouldn't stick with Dalton. I would probably go back to Fields. I, I think I, – I, I agree. I mean, I, I can see the reasoning. Playing Fields I don't think is going to go towards saving Nagy's job. And if Dalton goes 500 the rest of the way, I don't think that saves Nagy's job either. So it, it's a no-win situation, like I said. Well, on the Detroit side, uh, as I just mentioned, they you know they actually looked better uh, defensively than I think they've looked in a while. Hanging in there, they they made a couple of tough plays, uh, kind of a bad beat there at the end, but they took a bad beat a little earlier in the game with DeAndre Swift, went out with uh, a shoulder injury. It sounded like the most recent update today uh, is Dan Campbell saying he's somewhat of a long shot to play this week. Jamal Williams, uh, who they signed in the offseason, took, took over for him. If Swift misses time, are you interested in Jamal Williams in your fantasy lineup? 
Well, I think Williams clearly has the trust of the offensive staff. Uh, he out-touched Swift seven to six prior to the injuries. Uh, Williams had six rushes and one target versus Swift's three rushes and three targets. So it was pretty close to 50-50 there early on. And then while he doesn't have the explosiveness of Swift, I think the Lions will try to get that from Jefferson and Iguabuque. Both of those guys have shown some explosiveness, especially Iguabuque. So I could see it while if Swift is out a couple weeks, kind of a 50-30-20 split while they look for some splash plays from Godwin and Iguabuque and and Jamar Jefferson. Well, uh, Jamal Jamal Williams just kind of is the grinder, getting the three, four yards of pop, pass protection kind of guy. So it's going to – it turns into kind of a muddled backfield where before you kind of knew it was more of a 60-40. Now I I don't think that Williams overtakes the full amount of uh, Swift's touches. Yeah, you know, I've liked Jamal Williams in the past when we've seen him sub for Aaron Jones. It just doesn't look like he has the explosive big plays, uh, DeAndre Swift, because that was Swift was was sometimes killing it on carries, but he was really killing it with some of his big plays and some of his passing plays. And you're right that it looked like they were involving a lot more other backs. But I think for me, what it does if Swift is out is it takes Jamal Williams from a guy that I probably didn't want to play at all to a guy that maybe I'm now considering in a flex spot. I I would agree with you, though. I don't think anyone's replacing that production that Swift can give you in that upside. Well, on to the second game, the other traditional Thanksgiving host, the Dallas Cowboys. This, I don't know about for you, but this was maybe the most surprising game of the day for me. The Raiders go in there. They look pretty good. They end up going to overtime. They win 36-33. to uh, puts the Cowboys kind of in a precarious position uh, now as they're going through. But the Raiders find the win. Brian El- Edwards, a relative non-factor. He had zero targets against Cincinnati in Week 11. Only one target in a game where Derek Carr threw for more than 350 yards and the Raiders put up 36 points. Are you losing faith that Edwards is ever going to be a thing? Man, you cut me deep with this one. I love me some Brian Edwards coming in. I think clearly it it throws cold water on the early breakout age stands. I mean, there's I suppose he's probably an outlier there uh, to date with uh, not performing well with an early breakout age in college. I think the only hope I can hold on to is that the new coaching staff can figure out how to get him the ball more consistently. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe Bisaccia plays his way, coaches his way into uh, a shot. I, I don't know if that's really the way to go, but they're going to keep Carr, and I don't know that the offense will change that much with Carr and Jacobs and Waller. So maybe the best thing for Edwards is to hope for the uh, the old Brandon Lloyd, you know, six year breakout. 
Yeah, I think it, what's most disappointing for me is we've actually seen uh, the target share for Brian Edwards go down with Ruggs gone now. They're using Waller, they're using Zay Jones, they're using Hunter Renfro. Even Deshaun Jackson seems a bigger part of the plan. I am starting to be concerned that Brian Edwards is never going to be a thing. We liked the potential landing spot and the talent, but he has only had three games this year where he had five or more targets. And all of them were in the first few weeks of the season. He's trending in the wrong direction, especially given the opportunities. So, and kind of a bummer. Uh, I almost, yeah, crucial must win game. And, you know, it's not, you might have said against Cincinnati, they didn't have that robust of a passing game, which is fine. But Thursday, they were throwing the ball all over the field. They just didn't want any piece of uh, Darren Waller. Or, uh, sorry, Brian Edwards. Waller, of course, gets injured, so we'll have to see. I mean, uh, Foster Moreau had five targets. Uh, well, because Waller, Waller right. may miss time, which was a bummer, too. Yeah. So the Cowboys fall short again. They're now 7-4. and four. Uh, They still have a, a couple games up in their own division, but is this a sign of trouble? Well, they were missing their top two wide receivers. Uh, Zeke has been nursing a knee injury. And, and while Pollard is is great and shows all the traits of when he gets his chance of being really good, um, the offense still put up 33 points. So I don't know if this, this loss is necessarily on the offense. If the defense was missing Lawrence and Gregory, they didn't have an answer for Renfro or Zay Jones. Those, those quick guys just gave their defense fits. Uh, and, and what, let's see. Yeah, because the offense – Elliott had 2.8 yards of carry and, and Pollard 3.6, a combined 61 yards between the two of them. So the rushing game was non-existent. Dak threw the ball 47 times. Um, so it was really, I think, a, a function of their defense not really making a play when it counted and, and keeping uh, the Raiders off the field a couple times. That really would have made all the difference. Yeah, and we've seen some of these NFC teams are slumping a little bit. Obviously, we'll get to the Rams later, but they've lost three straight. I guess what concerns me about the Cowboys is the defense has been better this year, but still a little inconsistent. It feels like they play to the level of their competition. Um, you know, they played really well against good teams, and they've laid a couple of dubious games up against teams I think they should have beaten, um, you know, including that game against Denver where they just got trucked from the word go. So they still have some time to get it right. I still like uh, the pieces of the team. And you are right, missing uh, missing those two receivers makes an impact. But I it is something I'm, I'm watching for, um, maybe a, a bad tendency. I'm not sure how much faith any of us have in Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I mean, their their receivers did well from an efficiency standpoint, but they just didn't have any big plays. Wilson had the – well, Wilson had the 50 – well, I take that back. I, I was reading the wrong the column wrong. So Wilson and uh, Gallup each made a big play. I don't know. It feels like I, I started to make a point after misreading my stat line here. So let's let's move on. 
All right, fair enough. Well, the night game was uh, not very good. The Buffalo Bills uh, came into New Orleans to battle the Saints and just blew them out. It was 31-6 to in favor of the Bills. Big win for the Bills. Uh, at the time, it tied them for first again with the Patriots, who moved ahead again yesterday. Healthy scratch for Zach Moss. Uh, Matt Breida got into the game and scored a touchdown again. Is he becoming the back-to-roster in Buffalo? You know, I... I gotta say, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, in the first half, he outtouched Singletary um, nine to five, and but for the game, Singletary outtouched Brita sixteen to eleven. So Brita only had two touches in the second half. So they count. They counted on Singletary to kind of grind the clock out, be the safe guy run run the ball in the second half. I I almost feel like if, if Zach Moss had been healthy, he'd have been the one doing that um, because he is a bigger back than the other two. But Breida and, and Singletary kind of have the same skill set. Breida might be just a tad faster, but they, they kind of – that's why it was weird for me that they kept the two of them – active because Moss's game is different from them. And so was there, you know, it, it seems like they felt like it was going to be a close game because I think if they felt like they were going to win uh, this big, if they were going to win by what, 25 points, I think they might've tried to keep Moss active so he could grind it out. some. it, it just feels like Moss isn't fitting what they want to do. Um, you know, in his last three games that he appeared in, he had 13 carries for 38 yards total. Matt Breida seems to be doing more with the touches he gets. Maybe he's just a better fit for they for what they want to do. They, you know, it was hard to tell in the offseason. They didn't really address the position, in my opinion, other than signing Breida, which I didn't think much of at the time. But maybe that really was the right signing. I think he's probably trending toward being the best of the backs available there. I'm still not sure I want to have to rely on a Buffalo running back not named Josh Allen. I mean, none of them are more than a second flex, probably. Yeah. So the Saints get blown out again. Uh, we did get a little bit of an update that Taysom Hill was injured, um, and that was why he wasn't available. He was only available apparently in a true emergency to go in the game. But you know, they gave him this contract. We've seen him start before. Trevor Simeon. I would not lay it all on Trevor Simeon's feet, but they are only four since he took over at quarterback. Is it time to? Maybe look at something different. I, you know, are they at the? Are they past the point where um, they're not? They're five and six, and five and six would get you into the playoffs right now. No, but are, are they past the point where Hill can't get enough snaps at quarterback to escalate his contract? I mean, I guess that's the question. Are you trying to save money or are you trying to win? I still don't no. understand the investment in that guy if you're not even going to at least give him a look. No, I, I think Hill starts this week. I think they let him start the rest of the year. Um, there, I I would look for a Josh Allen type of uh, game plan. They're going to take advantage of his running. Uh, he's a mediocre thrower at best but he'll still throw some, but I think they're going to move him around. It looks like uh, Kamara and Ingram are both trending to come back. 
Um, but yeah, I think that uh, getting uh, Hill in there is the right move. Even, even I think that. So, but I guess my biggest argument, I d- I don't know if I think he's an incredible quarterback. I obviously have been a fan of Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, it's fair, fair. Uh, you know, truth telling. I was a fan of Tim Tebow too. I don't know if I thought he was an incredible quarterback, but you know, they make plays and they bring energy. I don't think the Saints have a very good set of skill position players. You know, Michael Thomas is not coming back. The running backs are beat up. Adam Troutman started to do better and he got injured. To me, Taysom Hill at least gives you some kind of a dimension, and and I just don't understand why you wouldn't at least see what he's got. I hope that you are correct and that he's going to start. I have a feeling uh, we're still going to continue the Simeon train, which some of us have been on the Simeon train before. I'm more than happy to uh, step off. You've crashed that train? Well, you're probably uh, in the midst of the playoffs looking ahead to Week 13, and if you are, where's a place you can go, Dennis, to get the tools you need to succeed? You can get the tools to help Bob Harris reach the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame, footballdiehards.com, Flash Update Pro, a full suite of tools to make you a better fantasy manager. Rankings, configurable cheat sheets, mock drafts, consistency tools, target distribution, snap count, and so much more. Use code ROUNDTABLE, all one word, for an additional 15% off the already low price of $24. You know, we're at that point in the season. There's, what, three games left in the fantasy regular season? Uh, if you're like me, you've got a significant no- two weeks. I think so. Most should start week 15 because you don't play last week of playoffs. So you need to make those moves. I've got a bunch of five and six and six and five teams that I'm trying to squeak into the playoffs because this year feels like with the amount of variance and injuries, anything can happen. You just need to get the invite. Well, speaking of uh, variance, one of the more surprising outcomes of the day was not that the Cincinnati Bengals won, but that they destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. 41 to 10, giving them the season sweep. Is it time to worry about Pittsburgh's defense? You know, probably when your offense has 10 less minutes time of possession, it's it's easy to get the defense worn out and get the, you know, Joe Mixon is knocking the snot out of you. Uh, I, I, I've been a big Mixon fan. You know, I got a note in here. I guess I should have looked to see what TJ Watt's snap count was because he didn't make many plays. Well, and he's uh, on the COVID list now, so right. So it was a uh, it was a situation where Cincinnati just came out and had a game plan against them. And maybe if TJ had COVID, maybe his snaps were down because he he didn't know he had it and he was starting to feel a little lethargic and tired. Who knows? Probably not. I'm, I don't have any idea there, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but, yeah, the offense not being able to to possess the ball and move the ball uh, very well certainly doesn't uh, put your defense in a, a good spot. Yeah, I mean, giving up a lot of points to Justin Herbert and the Chargers is one thing, but just, I guess – 
they weren't even competitive in this game today. And I think with Pittsburgh, with the way their offense is, their best hope if they want to stay in the playoff race and make it toward the playoff race is to play a really suffocating brand of defense, which is what we saw somewhat earlier in the season, and hope to eke out some of these wins. And the way they're looking right now, I don't know that that's going to be possible. So I think that's going to be a pretty big red flag. Yeah, Watt, Watt played 81% of the snaps, and I would guess that's probably fairly close to what he normally plays. Yeah, just wasn't effective at all. So a big win for the Bengals. A nice day for T. Higgins. Saw eight targets, caught six balls for 114 yards and a touchdown. How do we feel about T. Higgins moving forward? Well, Higgins matched up really well with the Steelers' defense, so uh, – I heard a couple of analysts through the week kind of say that he was sort of their sneaky pick uh, to play, play well. You know, he's a good wide receiver and he plays well. And I, I still coming into the year, I felt like Chase would eventually take over. I didn't realize it would be at the beginning of the year, but Higgins is making a comeback. He's playing really well. He's getting the job done. He catches the ball. He's a big red zone target. And he's a little more efficient than Chase because Chase tends to be the deep ball guy. Uh, I don't know. He's still he's still the wide receiver, too, on the Bengals. But what we got yesterday was a look at what his ceiling is. And a lot of times you're, you're playing for ceiling in fantasy. And when you can get ceiling like that, what, six catches, 114 yards and a touchdown, you know, you'll take that all day, every day. Yeah, I still like T. Higgins. I think he's an underrated dynasty player right now because a lot of people had shifted over to Chase. And while Chase is probably still the number one, Higgins isn't that far off of what he was doing last year. He's upped his catch percentage from 62 to 63%. He's moved his yards per game average from around 57 yards to about 62 yards. He has 43 receptions, 560 yards, three touchdowns. Last year he had 908 yards and six touchdowns on 67 catches in 16 games. So that's about what you'd expect being kind of in the middle of the season. So he's probably about what he is. Um, you know, I think it may have killed where he was drafted last year and some of the expectations were that he could he could be a number one. That obviously went out the window when they got Jamar Chase. But I think he can be a decent wide receiver three. Um, you know, I know some people have been more out on him than that. Well, I think they're going to, you know, Cincinnati is, while Mixon runs the ball really well, they're still going to be a, a fairly high volume offense a lot of the time. So we've seen the seen it work with the Rams, with the Vikings. So, you know, with Tampa. So there are a lot of offenses. I, I feel like there's room there in Cincinnati to have two top end wide receivers. Yeah, especially with the quarterback and the offense they have going. Uh Moving on to the what was one of the better games of the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed into Indianapolis, clipped the Colts 38-31. I got to watch a fair amount of this one here at my in-law's house, watching with my father-in-law. was pretty fun. Uh, last year, Leonard Fournette came back to the Buccaneers on a one-year deal. Uh, weren't sure what his role was going to be, and he's kind of exploded. He's RB5 so far through 12 weeks. How do you feel about RB1 him? RB1 in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> 
that wouldn't have been how you put it in August, but uh, we all have to adapt. Uh, how do you feel about Lenny long term? Obviously, his contract's up uh, at the end of this year, but it feels like he's he's shown a lot of three down potential. Yeah, I you know he turns twenty seven in January, so he's kind of getting to the end of that peak running back years. But the run game in Tampa is a complementary aspect. You know, they're a pass first team, and Fournette will have games where he frustrates you as a fantasy manager, but he fits with, he fits what this team does. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, re-sign on a two-year deal that has a, an out or a two-year deal with, you know, two voidable years, how they've all of a sudden added those voidable years for bonus perspectives that to, to account for to spread the bonus out. It's like, oh, we're going to spread your bonus out over five years, but it's really a two-year contract, and we'll take the balloon. It's like a balloon mortgage, I guess, is what it is. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see them reward him with at least a two-year contract, uh, especially if Brady maintains he's still going to play two or three years, and you've got Godwin, you, you've got uh, Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard, and Mike Evans. And maybe Antonio Brown, who knows, maybe Gronk, who knows. But even without Brown and Gronk, they've got a a great nucleus and a really strong offensive line. Yeah, and that's probably the thing where I'm at. After last year with him being cut free kind of in the preseason, we had high hopes when he went to Tampa Bay. But we thought what he's doing this year was kind of what he was going to do rolling into Tampa Bay last year, and it didn't materialize, but he had a good strong run in the playoffs. And you thought, well, maybe there's going to be a good market for him. There wasn't much of a running back market in general this offseason. That might have been why he came back. I think there, if he keeps playing this way, there is going to be something of a market. The cap should go back up a little bit uh, in this offseason. I, I think it's going to depend on the fit that he gets, but I he goes back to being a guy that I'm interested in. And if you're a dynasty owner who's held on to him uh, through all these seasons, you have to be feeling pretty good about that prospects. I'm with you. I kind of hope he stays in Tampa Bay. It seems like a good fit for the offense and the player. I think the one that's probably more likely to move on for sure right now is Ronald Jones, who seems to be getting uh, phased out, although he did get a, uh, a gift touchdown last yesterday when they wanted to give a uh, good old four touchdown Lenny a break. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I saw the clip of uh, Bruce Arian saying, you just don't run the ball on us. You know, Indianapolis rushed for 142 yards. The Bears 182 uh, the Dolphins 121, the Patriots 120. I mean, they can be run on. Speaking of running uh, against Tampa Bay, the Colts fall short. You know, they led here for a while, but it became turnover palooza in the second half. Jonathan Taylor, coming into the game, number one running back in all of fantasy, was on a huge tear for over 100 total yards in games. They seem to kind of go away from him. Carson once threw the ball 44 times. They only gave Taylor 16 carries, and many of those came on a late touchdown drive that tied the game where he just tore up the Tampa Bay front. We saw uh, the meme. You've probably seen the guy that uh, was wearing the hat that said, run the damn ball. Right. Uh, appeared to be a Colts fan. Did uh, the Colts make a mistake not using Taylor more? I mean, in hindsight, sure, you could say yes. But, I mean, he did carry the ball 16 times. Uh, 
Um, he had, he caught four or five passes, so he took had twenty one opportunities. It's it's you know it's well I want to say no because you you're gonna you've got Michael Pittman Jr. you've got T Y Hilton heck Jack Doyle looked great uh, you've got Naheem Heem Hines so there's there's other weapons so you don't want to set yourself up where they can just key on one player but he did perform and and I guess it's rightful rightfully you can say. They probably should have given him 20 carries at least. You know, it, it hindsight's 2020. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and and totally trash it because you know they lost on a late field or they lost on that late touchdown, but it, it was it I mean maybe probably. I'm gonna say the part of it that, as somebody who is who watched most uh, most all this game, that was frustrating to me is the Colts came out pretty on fire early, and I get the strategy of not trying to just run up the middle against Tampa Bay to throwing your way out of it. We saw Dallas do that and be successful. We've seen other teams. Secondary is not their best friend. Once the Colts got up, I think at one point they were up twenty-one to three. That's where. I think they should have mixed in more Jonathan Taylor, who was starting to have success as that line was just starting to move Tampa Bay's line and wear them out. Instead, they kept trying to throw and do weird plays, and that led to Wentz getting a, a sack fumble, throwing a couple of ridiculous interceptions, then Neheim Hines drops punt, and all of a sudden you've given Brady so many chances that they are able to go down and beat you. So that's... I don't know if it's the total number of carries versus passes that I'm going to take exception to. It's where they chose to deploy them. I don't understand consistently if you have a weapon like Jonathan Taylor, when you get up a couple of scores, why you don't try to milk some clock down and punish the other team and protect the ball. I mean, I th that is an argument, but also you hear so much when you start to run the ball a lot like that, you, you get – People saying, well, why did you take your foot off their throat? You've got to bury him. You you were having success doing this, and then you went back to this, and it wasn't successful. Uh, it kind of sounds like Matt Nagy in his no-win situation there. Yep. Well, the Colts have plenty of uh, time to think of it because I believe that they roll into a bye now at 6-6. Six and six. Um, So – to a game that was uh, somewhat fascinating, Miami Dolphins on a tear win their fourth straight, win 33-10. to was not a good day uh, for the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey gets injured, and actually now they've announced will be out for the rest of the year. Cam Newton struggles mightily, throws a couple of interceptions, only completed 5 of 21 passes. Is the magic starting to fade for the 5-6 and six Panthers? Yeah, I, I feel like the magic kind of faded after week three when McCaffrey got hurt the first time and Sam wasn't able to connect with the wide receivers consistently uh, after the first three weeks there. It's, I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen a Cam resurgence, but I mean, there's a reason he sat on his couch uh, eating organic Cheetos for 10 weeks. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think the Magic's going to fade too. We I had talked about it last week. They have a pretty tough schedule uh, to close out the season that includes a couple games with Tampa Bay and a couple of other difficult matchups. This game against Miami should have been one of the more winnable matchups, and they weren't even really close. Now with no McCaffrey, um, I th- I think the the Panthers they had some nice juice early in the season, but they're probably going to be the end up being the third or fourth best team in that division. On Miami's side, we saw uh, Philip Lindsay, who was picked up off waivers off Houston, actually got into this game and played quite a bit. Uh, it was surprising to me. I don't know how surprising it was for you. Uh, Miles Gaskin still led the way, got 16 carries, 49 yards, got both touchdowns. Philip Lindsay, 12 carries for 42 in his first game there with less than a week in the system. How do we feel about the backfield moving forward? Uh, it's a complete and utter mess. Um I don't know why Flores hates running backs. Learning at the uh, at the knee of Bill Belichick, um, you know, I I don't know. It's going to be it's for Lindsey to come in and get the volume that he did right from the get go. I think what we're really seeing is Brian Flores really really misses Mac Brown, Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Brown, not Mac. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, wait, no, don't they have Malcolm Brown? Did he get? They do, but he's on IR. Oh. I actually, so Gaskin has been troubling to me for a while because even when he gets volume, you don't always get the production. I was pleasantly surprised he got the two touchdowns, but I am actually sort of concerned. I don't know if Lindsey got twelve carries because they were up quite a bit or because they like him as a runner. He seemed to do a little bit better. You know, he got 42 versus 46 on 16. Neither of them lit the world on fire. But I like Philip Lindsay as a runner, so I would be happy to see him thrive. But it's kind of a, a bummer. And I think it's going to be a real fantasy bummer for a couple of weeks here moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not sure what Lindsay has left. I mean, he, he had a pretty good volume for a small guy his first three years in Denver there. And so he has magic left. Yeah. That's basically but, it, but does he, does he have consistent magic? Well, I mean, no one in Miami seems to have consistent magic, but I guess we'll see. I'm hoping he does well. I, like I said, it'll be a fantasy bummer for a couple of weeks. I don't know right. as much as I like him. I'm not ruling him out there right now. Uh, in what would have been a fascinating matchup of two division leaders turned out to be uh, pretty lopsided. The Patriots smacked down the Titans 36 uh, to 13. Both teams now 8 and 4, both of them tied for the second best record in the AFC behind the Baltimore Ravens. But the Titans lose their second straight game heading into their bye week. Are they in trouble? I mean, yeah. They they you're saying Deonta <laughs> Foreman and Nick Westbrook Akeen don't do it for you? I mean, maybe. Uh, you know, the defense was considered a weakness at the beginning of the year, and the Titans were able to kind of hide that behind the Derrick Henry offense. Chew up the clock. You know, he made big plays. But now I don't think that, you know, with the offense, when the offense struggles, when you lose – uh, uh, AJ Brown and Derrick Henry and, and Julio Jones, you know, Ferkser didn't step up. I mean, Ferkser has been usurped by M- Michael Pruitt. Um, 
you know, now they let Josh Reynolds go and he looked, he, he looked, looked pretty, pretty good, good for Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> I mean, he might be the wide receiver one in Detroit the rest of the way. Um, he needed you know, that Jarek Goff magic. It's something. I mean, Akini Akini looks good. Like he might be playing himself into a wide receiver two three role for that team going forward. But I'm a little concerned. I don't know what how well are Brown's knees going to hold up. Seems like his knees are becoming real problematic. And as as talented as he is, you know, if you're not on the field. It, it becomes an issue. So I just don't think that offense has the firepower uh, anymore. They definitely, they need to retool. Um, but what I think Tannehill's 34, 35, maybe even 36. So they're kind of getting to the end of the road with him. Uh, I, I think this was the year. I think they kind of pushed all their chips in. We're going to ride the Derrick Henry train. Uh, but while both teams are eight and four, they're definitely moving in opposite directions. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. We talked about the Titans preseason being one of the thinnest teams in terms of elite skill position players. They got that trade for Julio Jones, which looks like it was going to bail him out, but he they haven't really gotten anything from him, and he hasn't really been able to be on the field. Brown's not on the field. They really built this team around Derrick Henry, and they have not been the same with him gone. They ran the ball okay uh, last this week, but... There have been questions about whether Ryan Tannehill is kind of the elite franchise quarterback that can carry a team, and maybe it's not fair to judge him based on this level of skill position players, but he has not been huge. 772 yards, four touchdowns, and six interceptions the last four weeks with Henry out of the lineup. It's just not going to get it done. The Titans are fortunate that they swept the Colts earlier in the season. They have a two-game lead on them in the division, and they have that tiebreaker, so they may be able to hold on and get a decent seed. Either way, they're probably still getting to the playoffs where they're at now, but I don't think they're the power they look like they were going to be midseason. Well, for the Patriots side, uh, they get win again. Hendrick Bourne comes up huge. He was one of two receivers they brought in in free agency, saw six targets, caught five of them for 61 yards and two touchdowns. He's been more involved of late, seems to be developing some chemistry with Mac Jones. How do you feel about Kendrick Bourne? I mean, I, I like Bourne, but he, for there's something that doesn't quite move to the next level with him. He's third on the team in targets. Yes, he's leading in yardage and touchdowns for wide receivers through 11 games. He works as the deep threat complement to Jacoby Myers' possession game. Um, I like him in a wide receiver three-four role, but he's you know he's he's basically a flex guy uh, when it comes to fantasy, and and you hope he has a game like he did yesterday. But, I mean, five touchdowns. He had 61 yards receiving, and 41 of them were on one play. Um, I don't know how often you can count on two touchdowns uh, on five catches. So uh, I still think it's I, – I feel like it's uh, – Jacoby Myers is the, the volume guy you want there. But with Bourne and Aguilar, you're kind of flipping a coin which one's going to you know, be the two that week. 
Yeah, I like him a lot better than Aguilar. I feel more confident yeah. in him than Aguilar. And I, you know, if we all feel more confident in just about anyone with a pulse than Nikhil Harry. Uh, I am with you. I still think Jacoby Myers is probably the top receiver there, but Kendrick Bourne is slipping into that, you know, kind of deeply flex territory for me. We've seen him now 42 receptions, 623 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's not blowing anything away, but he seems to be developing some chemistry. And as the Patriots offense has gotten better, and this is his first year there, he seems to be developing into it. I like you know, we've seen them be able to develop some of these receivers that other teams have given up on or players other teams have given up on. And this looks like it might be a sneaky find. He might be the the free agent receiver that's the one that sticks for them. All right, well, this game was uh, a bit depressing. It hurts a lot for me and Matt, who uh, were starting to believe in Jalen Hurts, but the... Uh, NFC East battle between the Giants and the Eagles was oof. Uh, the Giants win 13-7. to Jalen Hurts struggled mightily in this one, throwing three interceptions. The Eagles managed to get just a single touchdown against the Giants in a game where they had a chance to move back to 500. Does this kill their playoff chances? Um, I don't know. I mean, they they still have a shot. It depends on how they can bounce back from this. Hertz has been a guy who's bounced back from adversity. And I think this is the, you know, he's in a point in the season right now where this is kind of the adversity he's facing. He's kind of been a darling, much like you and Matt. I've been thinking I've been wrong on, I've been as wrong on Jalen Hertz as I was on AJ Dillon. And you know, now I'm going, well, maybe not. But I still think he gets this year and next year to to prove himself. But he definitely has to do better than 14 for 31 for 129 yards. I mean, he had a decent day on the ground, eight carries for 77 yards. So he he still provided that. I think that you're going to need defenses to outsmart him uh, because he isn't, you know, when things break down, he's going to run and he's really good at it. So you've got to bait him into making those interceptable throws. And I think he made, you know, he made those interceptable throws yesterday uh, against the Giants. Uh, I still have a little bit of hope. But I sure wish some point here soon they start letting Miles Sanders carry the ball in, uh, into the end zone. Freaking Boston Scott again. It's not even Jordan Howard, which would have been at least kind of a fun score, fun story. It's Boston. So. Right. You can understand Jordan Howard. He's 6'1", 230. You know, Boston Scott's 5'8", 205. Yeah, and this wasn't a particularly great game in fantasy for Hurts, but fantasy hasn't really been the concern with Jalen Hurts. It's been whether or not we think he's an NFL quarterback. I thought he was looking better. Everybody has a stinker now and again, and, you know, maybe that's just this. Maybe we'll find out something was off, but it definitely gives you pause. I thought the Eagles had built up some good momentum, and we're going to get to 6-6, six and six, and we're going to be kind of a fun team to watch down the stretch. They still have a, a decently tough schedule. I don't know that you can choke away winnable games like this. Washington's sort of coming on, too. You know, if they get a win – Tonight, they move into that uh, five and six range, and the Eagles have two games with Washington. If Washington ends up being the team that's surging, maybe we were right all along. 
uh, and they end up sneaking backdooring into the playoffs. Somebody is going to backdoor into the playoffs with somebody has between seven or nine <laughs> wins. So. For the Giants, we saw the Freddie Kitchens as offensive coordinator era begin. Uh, they put up 13 points. Uh, they got a touchdown of sorts uh, to a reserve tight end, uh, much to the dismay of everyone who uh, trotted out Kenny Galladay or Evan Ingram or Darius Slayton or Saquon Barkley in the hopes of getting some fantasy or John points. Ross or, or John Cooper Ross. or Devontae Booker. What... Uh, what did you think of the Giants' new look offense? Well, I mean, they did score 13 points. Yeah. I don't feel like that's better than what they were getting with Jason Garrett, I have to be honest. No, I, you know, I think Philadelphia's defense has been playing fairly well. And you have 13 carries for Saquon Barkley for only 40 yards. I feel like you've got to, at some point, they've got to just say, look, here's 20 carries, go at it. Uh, their opportunity is going to be to continue to build their offensive line. To me, I think that's where they need to put some money in, uh, put some draft picks in, uh, and, and get the offensive line back together. Yeah, I didn't think the offense was terrible, but I didn't think it was in, incredible either. I still don't think we learned enough to feel confident about who we might want to start for fantasy either. Well, uh, we're just going to keep the train of exceptional games going and move on down to Jacksonville, where the Atlanta Falcons eked out a 21-14 to win over the Jaguars. Try to be still your heart. Uh, Cordero Patterson, another uh, pretty decent day. Is he the fantasy MVP for 2021? Uh, oh, based on ADP, definitely. I mean, he was drafted fairly late, and uh, he's – certainly delivering uh on that um so i'm trying to find yeah this. here i'll read his uh stats he has so far 93 rushes for 411 yards and four touchdowns he's caught 41 passes for 500 yards and five touchdowns so nine touchdowns combined 911 combined yards so far yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of years he has the Derrick Henry size almost. He's probably about 20 pounds lighter than Henry. But maybe Arthur Smith is the right guy to take a big straight line runner like Cordero Patterson, like Derrick Henry, and build an offense to suit him. I don't know that they're going to ever give Patterson 400 carries like they would Derrick Henry. But I think they, if they keep using him like he is, they might get a couple more years out of him. Yeah, we thought it was going to be a good opportunity for someone. I thought uh, maybe it would be a good opportunity for Davis, but Patterson seems to be the guy, and he's been like the lone bright spot in that Atlanta Falcons offense. I think he's certainly the fantasy MVP, which is usually the guy that sneaks up out of nowhere and, and kills it for you. He's been a bankable at least RB2. I actually think he's creeps into RB1 range because of what he's in, especially in PPR, because of what he's doing in the passing game. For the Jaguars, uh, another uninspiring game. Dan Arnold, uh, only one target and gets injured, kind of crushing that uh, hopes there. The the leading receiver for the Jaguars ends up being Laquan Treadwell, trying to come back uh, from wherever he's been at. 
With Dan Arnold uh, seemingly down and out of the picture and uncertainty at receiver, is James Robinson about the only solid fantasy play for this Jaguars offense? I think so. Um, you know, it's a a rough spot. You know, J.O. might be worth a shot. If you, oh, James O'Shaughnessy is back. I had to read my note. I couldn't. I thought I'll just abbreviate it. Now I don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, you know, O'Shaughnessy's back. And he was, what, he had five targets, three catches for 29 yards. And they kind of liked him, I think, early on in the season. Uh, And if he hadn't gotten injured, I don't know that they make the move for Arnold um, just because he was was playing pretty well. Well, I guess they did. Did they make the move for Arnold or did, did Carolina make the move for Henderson? Probably. I don't, I don't know. It's definitely seems like it's worked out better for Jacksonville than it has for Carolina because I haven't noticed yeah. an appreciable uptick in their defense, and then they were able to get uh, Stephon Gilmore, which is probably uh, was fascinating at the time and has become <laughs> one of the least fascinating. I thought Arnold looked good for a while. Uh, the Jacksonville passing game is too much of a whack-a-mole right now. I mean, you had Tavon Austin coming back from the dead, catching a touchdown. Lacan Treadwell getting four for 53. I don't know if they remember half the time that LaVisca Chenault plays for their team. Marvin Jones is out there trying to do his thing. Their passing game's horrific. I think Robinson really is the only play for me, and I'm not as bullish on him as I once was. I think he's maybe low-end RB2, maybe high-end flex territory because he's not even consistently getting touchdown shots or passing game works you kind of have to rely he had 86 yards rushing which is decent but he didn't get any touchdowns only had a couple receptions so he's more in that probably 8 to 12 point range than where we saw last year when he you know was in the 15 to 20 point range you know LaVisca did lead him in targets he had nine targets yesterday I mean it resulted in 33 yards yeah Uh, Five catches for 33 yards. I mean, I think he he's he might be second in the dot behind Debo Samuel. The only good news is it sounds like Urban's already made the decision that he wants a different offensive coordinator next year. So, you know, let's hope that comes to pass. Yeah. He's year one and already doing the save my ass coaching changes. Well, another uh, exciting morning game yesterday was the two and eight New York Jets heading into battle the two and eight Houston Texans, uh, the battle for the number two seed, and the Texans won by losing. Jets uh, come away with the twenty-one to fourteen victory. Zach Wilson back in the lineup. It wasn't pretty at times, and it wasn't pretty early at all. Uh, but what did you think of Wilson's return? I, I think he needs to learn to check the ball down. Um, he, he only threw the ball 24 times, uh, 14 completions, but he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't use his running backs. You know, that was part of, you know, I guess it would have been nice for him to kind of pick up on that. You know, Joe Flacco was having success using his running backs. Mike White had success using the running backs. Josh Johnson had success using the running backs and, uh, what Coleman had three targets, Ty Johnson had one. It, it was, it, it was really a situation where, uh, if he can add that to his game, to go along with his, you know, little bit of gunslinger mentality, it's going to really help him out and balance it, especially while the team 
struggles. You know, I think they were without Corey Davis yesterday. They didn't have Denzel Mims. Uh, they had Elijah Moore. Yeah, at least he targeted Elijah Moore eight times. That's that's all yeah. I'm hoping for now. But I, I'm with you a little bit. What would be scary to me is we made jokes about it before, but now seeing him come back, he really does look like he's been the third best quarterback to play for the New York Jets this season. And that's got to be a little bit troubling. You thought maybe having some time away where he was healing, watching the way some of the others play. It is unfortunate. There was no Corey Davis available. There was no Michael Carter available. Maybe those guys make a change. They at least won. He got a rushing TD, which makes it look better for fantasy, but it was kind of a ho-hum return, and the Jets don't have an incredibly easy schedule. Um, We'll see. So, so, someone talking about Zach Wilson not being good? Did I did I jump into the show right at the right time? I I just said he sadly still looks like the third best quarterback for the team. Isn't that the truth? Well, another sad team though is uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, they were up at one point. Did not look good. Aside from Brandon Cooks, is there anyone that we want to play? Anyone that we like in this backfield of uh, sexy Rexy Burkhead and uh, David Pass My Prime Johnson? Well, you know, Johnson and Burkhead make a great two-headed monster if you're in a fantasy rebuild and trying to preserve your draft spot. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I felt like Johnson was going to have a better year, and I don't know if it was – a function of Tyrod just missing that many games uh, that now they just aren't able to get back on track yet. Uh, But I I would have felt like Johnson would have had more targets, more catches, and just been a little more productive in the passing game. I mean, he produced 39 yards on 10 carries. That was, he he was more productive with his rushing than uh, Rex Burkhead, but you know, Burkhead had, Caught all three of his targets, so I guess it's a wash. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure Burkhead has got more. He's scored a, or he has a higher scoring fantasy day than David Johnson with his whopping 12 points a couple weeks ago. David Johnson's highest is 10. Uh, So I don't really think I want either one of them if I can avoid them both. But maybe Burkhead, because of what Dennis was saying and the fact that he seems to possibly be getting a little bit more catches. I mean, we expect Houston to be down in most of their games. So he likely, if he's getting that kind of, you know, three catches volume, maybe if, you know, with all the news we've gotten of the injured players today, if you really need one player, maybe that's that's the, the way you go in hopes that he, he falls into the end zone. I mean, if I'm looking for a Texan outside of Brandon Cooks, I think I'm throwing a dart at Brevin Jordan, the tight end. You know, the whole tight end wasteland there, he's he's kind of slowly kind of worked his way up the Texans' depth chart, and I think he's at the point in the season where he can step up and be consistent enough with what they need. If he can get four or five, start to get four or five targets a game, uh, he's athletic enough that he may be able to start to produce Top 18 tight end numbers. The only thing I was heartened by was that the Texans didn't look like they were trying too hard to win this game, rightly preserving their draft position. I'm not even sure. I always feel that good about Brandon Cooks, but I think if you're uh, 
if you're in desperation trying to play David Johnson or Rex Burkhead, you've already lost, especially with only two weeks to go before. Look, if he, maybe you cards. maybe you pair him with with touchdown Lenny. And I'm just saying, then they then they <laughs> average 25 points a game. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, Dennis, uh, tell us what DraftKings has to offer. Hey, football fans! I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once on it. Once a single point is scored, new customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score can win one hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. Uh, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings has given all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, like right now. Go download it. Use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets if they score. You score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. The gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, now it's time to turn to what was the game of the day. There were only three late window games, and this one uh, made my heart sing. Uh, we're out here in California visiting my wife's family. We did Christmas early with her family on Sunday. I'm pretty sure the outcome of this game was my present. Uh, as much to my surprise, the Denver Broncos came out and stoned the Los Angeles Chargers, beating them 28 to 13. So Dennis, Justin Herbert struggles again in a big game. What does this mean for the Chargers playoff chances? You know, they're going to have to start to pull it together. Um, I, You know, Herbert's experiencing a sophomore slump, I guess is the best way to put it. They've got a new coaching staff. Um, things were going along swimmingly. You didn't really have to start thinking. Now there's a season and a season and a half of tape on him and a half a season of tape with the new coach. Defenses are making adjustments. He's going to have to make adjustments. Uh, Brandon Staley is going to have to make adjustments. Uh, I think it's they're going to be fine. The team has got a lot of firepower, and if they can keep their defense in line, make some crucial stops when they need to, I think the offense will be okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i a little, uh, I shouldn't say upset, a little disappointed in, in how much he's kind of regressed. I thought he would regress some in, as in throwing a little bit more interceptions. Uh, he didn't have a lot in his uh, rookie season, uh, but it's been a weird year. Again, you know, I talked a little bit about it with you a couple weeks ago, Matt, that I was really all in on the Chargers, and they always seem to give you a reason to to doubt that at some point in the season, and they're really giving me reasons to doubt why I picked them to win the AFC West. Uh, but I think Herbert has the talent overall to improve it. Maybe he doesn't bounce back to have a, a huge successful season this year, uh, but next year for sure I think he bounces back. It, it might be They might be in for a little bit of a, of a ride the rest of the season, unfortunately, especially because of how bad that defense is. I think – 
they're really going to have to rely on him in the back half of the season to bring him back into games. Well, the AFC West not going to be easy. Chiefs are seven and four. Everyone else is six and five. They are the only division where every team is over. 500. I think, too, watching it for me, one of the things that stuck, stuck out is we don't talk about the Chargers' offensive line a ton. They weren't very good. Denver was caving them in quite a bit, uh, and they couldn't run the ball. Uh, and I think that's probably some of Herbert's issue. He's running for his life trying to fling it up there. Plus, Patrick Sertan, the second, is incredibly good. Matt, I know you were high on Javante Williams preseason. I was high on Javante Williams preseason. He looks like a beast when he touches the ball. Should Denver be giving him the ball more? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to unless unless Gordon gets hurt. I mean, we we know that he's been good. I think every time they've given him the ball, he's been he's. It's weird because I don't want to say he's the be- he's the better back overall, but Melvin Gordon's played a little bit better this year than I expected him to. He hasn't been. A nothing in the running attack. That's the reason I thought Javante was eventually going to take over. Like Melvin Gordon's actually played pretty well. But yeah, I think at this point in their careers, Javante is the better running back. But I'm sure they're continuing to give Gordon the balls. It's nice to have that two-headed attack in the backfields. A lot of NFL teams are shifting to that anyways. Uh, and the fact that they have so much money tied up in Gordon, they probably don't want to just let him go. So I don't think Javante really takes over this this backfield until next year. I mean, Gordon is earning the touches. It isn't, you know, he's not just being deferred to because he's the veteran. Um, Now, I will say Gordon also, you know, injured his hip and went out and I saw reports, oh, questionable to return minutes later. It's like Gordon is dragging his leg out there. He sees the rookie and knows that if he doesn't get his butt back on the field, he might never see the field again. So, you know, but if Gordon keeps producing – it's going to be you know, this way the rest of the season. It's a down-the-middle 50-50 split right now. Yeah, and as much as I dislike uh, Melvin Gordon, and I've mentioned it before, he has played uh, decently when he's not laying the ball on the ground in crucial situations and crucial games. But I think Denver's backfield is a microcosm of the problem for the rest of their team. They have a lot of talented skill position players, and they have a very low-volume offense. So for fantasy it's kind of brutal because you never know which one of their collection of receivers and tight ends is going to have a decent day. Yesterday it was Javante Williams was their best receiver and you never know which uh, one of the two backs is going to have the best day. So it's going to be a little bit tough for fantasy. Another big afternoon game down in the Bay of California was big here where I'm at the San Francisco 49ers hold up and win 34 26 over the Minnesota Vikings, a battle of five and five teams that are playoff contenders. The Vikings fall cook injured his shoulder. It seemed like it was going to be a long-term injury, but there's Mike Zimmer rolling out saying he's not ruling him out this week. I think if cook had had his arm amputated, he wouldn't have been ruled out by Mike Zimmer at this point in the week. Uh, so we shall see about that. But Dennis, what does this loss mean to the Vikings' playoff chances? You know, Al- Alexander Madison is a good back. He's not Dalvin Cook. But we, I think this year he's filled in better for Cook than he has in years past. Like last year, uh, if I – I was underwhelmed by him last year. This year he's come in and he's put up 100-yard games. He's been uh, a much better replacement uh, than last year. I think Kene Nwango is really explosive, and if 
Cook is out, which it looks like he's going to. They said he tore his labrum as well. Um, so he's going to miss at least a couple weeks. Zimmer did say he did not tear his labrum. All right. But whether he's to be believed or not, that was his. He said he wouldn't address what happened with the shoulder, wouldn't rule him out for this week, wouldn't say if he was going to miss time, but did refute that he tore his labrum. Okay. Wait, yeah, I mean, wait. it's, it's what it was. This is like the sixth injury to his shoulder. So, yeah, he had shoulders injuries back in college, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, that's not great. I, I think the loss, it, it does kind of knock them out. Even though the NFC is, is a really tight group, um, the 49ers are right there with them fighting to get one of those playoff spots. And now they just lost the head to head with them. So, I, I think it, it hurts them. Uh, and then obviously losing Cook. You know, I, I agree with Dennis. Madison's not Cook, but uh, if you've got Cook and you were lucky enough to get Madison as the handcuff, I think you're going to be able to play him every week and, and at least hope for running back to, you know, I mean, floor. I got to be honest. I'd rather I'd rather start Alexander Madison than Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, I think the biggest the loss is not great for Minnesota. I think the biggest thing in their favor is that the Saints have folded. The Panthers lost CMC, and the Eagles and Washington and the Giants look a little up in the air as well. And those are the teams they're all fighting for for that last seed. They got jumped by San Francisco, but the NFC in general only has six teams above 500. Seven make the playoffs. So we'll see. I I tend to be with uh, Matt, though. I don't really trust Mike Zimmer. Uh, so that's probably not inspiring to me. 49ers get a big win, uh, but are Matt, are they a factor now in the NFC West race? Only a game back of the Rams, who they beat. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. They've got a very good defense, uh, and Jimmy G has been playing good. You know, it's something we've talked about a lot recently. Uh, I was the guy who really thought Trey Lance was going to kind of take over at some point in time in the season. I, that's not going to happen at all this year because I think they're going to continue to push. They beat – who did they beat in their division? They beat the Rams. I don't think they've beaten the Cardinals yet, but they've beaten the Rams, so they've got that up on them. Now, granted, the Rams don't look great either, which I'm sure we'll talk they about in a minute. They did get swept, but... swept by the Cardinals. Yeah, just so. I mean, but they've been playing good. They've got other heads, head-to-head wins now against some of the other uh, playoff contenders in the NFC. They were a team that I picked to make the playoffs. I believe I had them finishing second in the division when we, when we did our record predictions behind – uh, behind the Rams, who I had winning the division, um, and even ahead of the Cardinals, who clearly looked like the best team in the division. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they've they got a very good team. Uh, obviously, Debo possibly missing some time isn't going to be great for them with how good he's been playing, but I definitely think they are real contenders for the NFC playoffs. They're saying one to two weeks now for lead running back, Debo Samuel. Well, you know, with with the way Kyle Shenanigans has handled injuries in the past, he says one week and then they go out one week and then they end up on IR for three. So I'll, I'll believe it when I see him come back, but I do believe he'll miss at least one week. Well, I think from the you – know, Jeff Wilson will step into the uh, running back role alongside of uh, Mitchell there in place of Debo. And Jawan Jennings, you know, former – uh, Tennessee volunteer who has uh, been kind of riding the pine and making his way up the depth chart has popped off and caught a couple passes this season. I think he's got two or three touchdowns now on the year. So he might be the guy that steps up opposite of Ayuk. Uh, 
but he may step into Ayuk's current role, and Ayuk may move more into that Devo role because uh, Ayuk kind of has some of that versatility that, uh, well, not quite at Devo's level. Um, I, I, I think he could do some of the same things uh, that Debo was doing. So they're not totally bereft of weapons if they lose Debo for a couple weeks. And with 27 carries, they're showing they're also willing to start to lean on that Shanahan run game too. Yeah, I like what the 49ers have been doing of late. I think they're going to end up making the playoffs. I think it'll be as a wild card. Um, I still think they probably end up finishing third in that division, but that's going to be good enough to get in. Uh, as long as you're not the Seahawks, you're probably making it in if you're in the NFC West. Speaking of the NFC West, the Rams coming off of a bye, having lost two straight, headed to uh, Green Bay to battle the Packers and came up just a little bit short, losing 36-28. to uh, Dennis, the third straight for the Rams, uh, they have since they had decided to go all in on the Super Bowl and acquired Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr., how do they turn it around? Well, they have to win some games. Um you know, they they getting Beckham, they gave Beckham 10 targets to go along with 10 for Cup. Je, uh, Van Jefferson had nine targets. They were kind of inefficient. Uh, Beckham only had 50%. Uh, Jefferson only 33%. Uh, Higby only caught one of five. So there was there were some definite issues with uh, converting the targets into catches. But I think they just got to keep doing what they're doing. They've got a good defense. Having Von Miller added to Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, um, some of the you know they have lost some of their linebacker depth to injuries. Uh, but they do need to play more consistently on defense. But it seems like that you know Detroit may well we can make fun of Jared Goff and all things that uh, related to Jared Goff. Detroit may have made the right move getting out of the Matt Stafford business based on, you know, chronic back injuries, chronic elbow injuries. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in L.A. right now saying that uh, Matt Stafford is just a more expensive Jared Goff. I mean, it's not been pretty easy. <coughs> Excuse me. I, th- I think we've seen this, though, from times with Stafford, and Dennis can probably speak to this more than the rest of us. He He has these stretches where he's, like, really amazing, and then he just kind of struggles. Bless you. Thank you. And so I, I think that that's kind of what we're seeing here. I mean, he's dealt with the injuries for a long time. And some of that, too, is I think Robert Woods was such a key part of this offense. And losing him, even though they brought in Odell, you've got to give him time to to get into get some kind of chemistry with Matt Stafford. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, again, losing a guy like Robert Woods, I think, has been a key part of this offense. And, and let's be honest, Cam Akers. I mean, Darrell Henderson's been good but they don't seem to want to rely on him either. They don't really seem to run the ball with him. They seem to want Stafford to pass the ball 40, 50 times. I think they just need to find some balance in the offense, stop passing so much. I know Sean McVay has never seen a pass play he doesn't like, but maybe run the ball a little bit more, let Stafford kind of relax a little bit and build a little bit more off that. Well, let me just say the get-right game is coming because they come home to face the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. But then I think it puts a lot of pressure on the the closing stretch of their schedule. is by no means easy. They are at the Cardinals on, on the following week. Then 
They're at the Seahawks. They're home for Baltimore. And then they are at the 49ers. And so those are going to be some, some tough games to close out. They need to start piling up wins where they can. For the Packers, A.J. Dillon, uh, you know, A.J. Aaron Jones played on Sunday but was uh, severely limited. Looked like they decided not to push him too much. But with how A.J. Dillon has looked in the backfield of late, Matt, has he earned a more permanent role, a more permanent split? Yeah, but I don't think they'll do it. Um, and, and I think he's better than Jamal Williams, but we've also seen this at times when they had the the pairing of Jamal and Aaron Jones. There were times that we thought Jamal Williams might actually be better than Aaron Jones before Aaron Jones really just kind of took off, and we were like, okay, Aaron Jones is really the guy. I I think Dylan is clearly their future, and, and they're going to keep him around. He's going to be the guy once Aaron Jones is gone, but – what I could see happening is possibly they do lean a little bit more on Aaron Jones, or not Aaron Jones, sorry, AJ Dillon for a little bit longer to make sure Jones comes back fully healthy. But once Jones is back and the guy, I still think Jones is the better running back. They paid him. He's going to be the guy, uh, even with as good as Dillon's played. Yeah, I, you know, they've shown the propensity to use two backs going back to Dillon. They're, they're not afraid to. That's what they want to do. And I, I think that if it was a, yeah, whatever, we're in the first year of a four-year extension for uh, Aaron Jones. So they're likely to be paired up for the next four years while Dylan plays through his rookie contract. Um, but given the coaching staff's history of using two backs, they're going to keep using two backs. I don't think they believe that Aaron Jones can carry the ball 25 times for long stretches they're okay doing it for a game maybe two but then they want to when we've seen in the past when they give him those big heavy workload games a couple games after they're kind of dishing it out and sort of you know sharing the wealth and getting other people involved uh maybe going past heavy scripts or whatnot but yeah dylan's going to continue to to get it uh and for every you know, it's funny because each week lately I'm I'm uh, tweeting out my uh, take about being wrong on A.J. Dillon because he looks like a monster. But then you look at the numbers and it's like 20 carries for 69 yards. Well, you know, okay, he's, he's beating people up to get him, but he's not, you know, usually you look at Aaron Jones and when he gets 20 carries, you're talking about 129 yards not 69 yards. And so there's a little bit of difference there. Um, I think they'll keep using two backs. That's just the way they run the offense, though. Yeah, I tend to agree with Matt that um, I don't think that they're going to give a huge role to Dylan when Jones comes back. I think he's still going to be the primary. That being said, I think they have lofty postseason aspirations, and they will probably continue to mix both of them in there to protect Aaron Jones' longevity and availability for the playoffs, I think it's a little bit better than the beginning of the season where it seemed like Dylan was often a non-factor. I think he's earned at least a few touches, maybe more of a Jamal Williams type role. Well, the last game of Sunday was one that I, I know Matt would uh, rather avoid. Uh, it was not a good weekend. Wait, for you guys Ohio. didn't give my note. I thought I thought we were putting this game first so that I knew because I knew I wasn't going to be here for that. Did, no, did we, we, not, we did talked we not about Sat Saturday's Ohio oh, game. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, thank God. Woo! 
Thanks. So the Ravens win uh, an ugly game, 16 to 10. Might have set back uh, the game of professional football and fantasy football quite a bit last night. Um, I will admit to not having watched as much of this as probably Matt did. The Browns come up a little bit short, sitting at 6 and 6 on the season. Matt, what do you expect from them the rest of the season? Uh, nothing. If I'm being honest, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not get to watch all of this game. Uh, I spent uh, Saturday or Sunday was my first day with with my family after a very long college football season. Uh, so I got back right as the game was kicking off. I watched the first half, some of the third quarter, but I did not watch the fourth. But you know, I I think there's plenty of blame to go all around. You have two of the best running backs, in my opinion, in the entire league. They don't ever really seem to get any carries for whatever reason. It's not like that game was out of hand. Lamar turned the ball over four times, and yet they're still having Baker with, I'm pretty sure, I don't know how many human, how many bones are in the human body because he's probably broken all but like six of them, it seems, at this point. Dude is just 112. Okay, so he's gotten like 107 broken bones, something like that, like – Maybe it is time to just put Case Keenum in. I know he's a gamer, and and I, I don't think in any way that's them saying, hey, Baker, you're not our guy in the future. But he's struggling right now, and I do think a lot of it is, is the injuries because we've seen him play 10 times better than what he's playing right now. But th- this team is just not playing well. I mean, Jack Conklin out again, probably out the rest of the year. I believe they were saying it was like a patella injury. So Corn patella tendon, yeah. yeah. He's done now. So the offensive line is beat back up again. You, you just have Jarvis, who's also dealing with a bunch of injuries. You know, Hooper is not at all the guy we thought maybe was going to come over and help that offense. David and Joke, who's probably not going to be back next year. Uh, I mean, this defense has been probably the one thing earlier in the season I was a little bit worried about has actually stepped up and played really good, and now the offense can't match it. I, just, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and even if they do – I don't think they make any kind of deep run, unfortunately. And I think it's just a, a culmination of things. I don't think you can put the blame in any one area. Uh, lastly, I'll say, I think some of it's on Stefanski as well. This offense was really good last year. And I think, you know, like Dennis was talking about with Justin Herbert, defenses and defensive coordinators have had a chance to look at it, find ways to kind of scheme for it. And I don't see Stefanski making any kind of adjustments for it either. So I think this is, Probably kind of like your typical down year with with a team like this. I have I have no doubt they're still a very good team, but there's a lot they need to work on, and I don't know that they're able to improve it all in the bye week this week like they were last year. I mean, coming out of the bye week last year, they turned it on and were like an amazing second half team. I don't think that happens this year. Yeah, I mean, in a sixteen to ten game, you can't give Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb a combined fifteen carries. I mean, this is it was. To me, it's simply a case of the coach just out out coaching himself. Yeah, and so they're on a bye. Coming out of the bye, their last five games are all difficult. They come out of the bye home game against Baltimore, so you go right back to the same. Uh, have to try to win, then a home game with the Raiders, and then you got two road games against the Packers at the Steelers and home against the Bengals. That's not an easy closing stretch, and I think to really make a bold move and guarantee a playoff spot, they probably have to go at least 4-1. and one. I don't know if I think they're there right now. Kind of disappointing. I think all of us picked them to be in the playoffs. I know I have them winning the division. I think you were pretty bullish on them too, Dennis. It's just kind of unfortunate to see. Sliding a little short. Bullish. I have him winning the Super Bowl. Look, I didn't want to just lay you bare. 
it's been a tough time for all of us. Uh, so the Ravens get a hard fought win. They actually now uh, have the best record in the AFC at eight and three. Dennis, are they the team to beat in the AFC? I think so. Um, I, you know, you've got to be able to take advantage when Lamar has a stinker like he did yesterday. I mean, he threw four interceptions. Not a, they, they weren't just his fault. I mean, the defense made some good plays. They put pressure on him. Jadavian Clowney is probably still muttering to himself after spending all night chasing uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, but yeah, they're you know they're the, they're sitting atop. They've got a plan. They're executing their plan. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I- I, I mean, I picked them to win the division this year. I think that they're the best team in the AFC North, even as good as the Bengals looked yesterday against the Steelers. But Lamar, I mean, they still can't – What he had four interceptions, right? Four yeah, interceptions four. in that game, and they still found a way to win the game. The biggest thing that worries me is the lack of a running attack, I think, is really hurting this team. And I, I don't want to see them continue to run Lamar more and more because I do think that's going to hurt him down the stretch. But the fact that this passing game has looked even better. I mean, I don't even think Hollywood Brown was that involved in this game. And, and he's been really big for them the first half of the season. He's dealing with an injury last week. Maybe that's what slowed him down here again this week, but they're, I think one of the best teams in the AFC and, and even without a running game, I think that's going to keep going past defense though is going to be very big because I think they're like one of the worst teams against the pass on defense. That could end up hurting them when they play some of these better pass-heavier teams. Well, I mean, they Devonta Freeman carried the ball more than Hunt and Chubb combined, so they're, they're running the ball. Yeah, Jackson still had the most carries, though. He did, so. one more than Freeman. I agree that it's impressive that they've managed to gut out wins even when conditions aren't perfect, but it also gives me pause. I'm going to go ahead and say that there aren't any dominant super teams in the AFC. We talked about the warts on the Titans. For as much as I like what the Patriots are doing, they've still got a rookie quarterback back there. Buffalo has been real hot and cold. Kansas City's been hot and cold. The AFC West, it's got only God knows which of those teams is going to make it out to the playoffs. So it's not like there's a truly dominant team, but I don't think the Ravens are that truly dominant team either. They have been kind of up and down. They're in the midst of a stretch where they've won some of these games that has covered over the fact that they've played some pretty hideous games um, and gotten, you know, they've made the plays they needed to make when it counted the most, which is good, but I don't know how much I super trust them as, as a lock in the AFC. Well, Dennis, you got some uh, exciting new uh, new presents in the mail this week. You want to tell uh, the folks where they can get their own? I did. That was pretty sweet. I was pretty stoked that I received it in my office. Luckily, my kids don't watch the show or listen to the show, so they won't know that they're getting themselves some sweet, sweet, sweet fantasy football roundtable merchandise. Just in time for the holidays, get your fantasy football roundtable gear at viridianglobal.com. Snapback hats, trucker hats, T-shirts, three-quarter sleeve raglans, and my favorite hoodies. It's my my oldest, his favorites are the hoodies. My youngest, his are the raglans, so he got himself a nice baseball shirt. all adorned with the Fantasy Football Roundtable logo. Get 10% off the Fantasy Football Roundtable gear this week with our Black Friday code Roundtable. Go to viridianglobal.com, click on the Football Collective tab, 
and go down to Fantasy Football Roundtable. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 10% off. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this puppy up by taking a quick look at waivers uh, for week 13. Uh, reminder that all roster percentages are courtesy of Fantasy Pros. The bye weeks for week 13, the Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers, Carolina Panthers, and Tennessee Titans are all taking the week off. Uh, at quarterback, Matt, we have Tua Tungavailoa at 39.3%. Mac Jones, all he does is win, and his percentage still dropped from last week, 29%. Taylor Heineke sitting at 28.1%, and Daniel Jones at 28%. How would you attack the quarterback position? Um, you know, is as crazy it is to say, is someone who's who's really kind of not like this guy. I think I'm taking Tua as the top one. He's he's been playing well. I think he's got the most upside out of this group. I'm actually taking Heineke second because he actually rushes the ball a little bit and he's been playing well. Mac Jones third because I just don't trust Daniel Jones at all anymore. And I, again, I, the same thing I said about Mac last week. Give me the safe floor uh, of Mac Jones and his 15 points. Yeah, I, I'm very comfortably taken to it. He does, you know, he could drop three touchdowns and 300 yards. Flores will let him throw because they don't have a running game to speak of. Um, you know, I don't know. I think, I, I, I guess I, I'll buy into Matt's philosophy that Heineke runs the ball a little bit. But I don't think Heineke has been playing all that well. And, and Jones, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show, They've got to get that offensive line together. Jones is not a, a dirty pocket successful quarterback. Uh, he needs time. Uh, and then he doesn't always make great decisions when he runs either. So while he's got the ability, he doesn't necessarily have the ability. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to go with Tua as my number one. It's close for me between Heineke and Mac Jones, but I'm leaning Mac Jones to then Heineke and Daniel Jones. I just don't know what to make of that offense. Well, let's turn to the running back position, Jamal Williams, who might get a lion's share of the work this week, 42.6%. Dontrell Hilliard, sitting at 26.5%, has been doing some things for Tennessee. Is on a bye this week, though. Matt Breida, 14.3% for the Bills. Philip Lindsay, 11.4% for the Miami Dolphins. And Rex Burkhead at 8.1%. Dennis, who are you taking first? Um, My brain says take Williams because he's going to have an established role even when Hilliard gets back. But I think I'm going to go with Hilliard um, because he's he's stepped up and seems to have the uh, – trust he's making some explosive plays uh he he's definitely splitting the carries pretty evenly with foreman but hilliard is getting the passing game work too and and he isn't he doesn't stand to lose any work um like williams will when swift comes back in a couple weeks yeah, Williams would probably be number one. Or actually, I think Hillier would be number one for me. I agree with uh, Dennis there. Then Williams. Uh, probably Lindsey. Because as much as I, I think Breed has been doing a good job and, and they probably do want to lean on the run more, uh, I just I don't trust it with the way Josh Allen runs the ball. And the fact that they do have Singletary and Moss, who at times I think could could completely nuke his value if they end up leaning on those guys. And it's Burkhead last for me. I, we talked a little bit about it earlier. I think he's really just that, that fill-in guy. If you're just really desperate for running back open, he gets a couple catches and falls in the end zone. 
Yeah, for me, I'm going Williams uh, first, um, you know, especially just in case Swift is multi-week. Then I'm actually taking Matt Breida. I think he has jumped uh, the pack there in Buffalo. Then Philip Lindsay, I liked what he was getting. Then Hilliard for me, and then Rex Burkhead I'm also not high on. Matt, we're going to turn to uh, wide receivers. Kendrick Bourne, who had two touchdowns this week, 19.1%. Russell Gage, 17.8%. Nick Westbrook-Akini, 11.3%. Deshaun Jackson, who had a big game on Thanksgiving, 3.3%. And Josh Reynolds, who might be wide receiver one in Detroit, 0.7%. So for me, I'm probably going Bourne. I mean... It's crazy to say, but he's been fairly consistent and he seems to kind of be the guy for Mac Jones in a room that's really kind of devoid of talent. After him, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he could have had two big games in a row. I believe he had that fumble. It was like a 50 or 60 yard pass that he fumbled the week before. So he probably could have had, seems like they're wanting to use him the way they were using rugs earlier in the season too. So I actually do kind of trust that, especially with Brian Edwards just like falling off the face of the planet after a couple good games. He, he's back to, to being nothing. Uh, then Nicole, Nick Westbrook. Um, I don't know. I have to say his name. Cause I don't know. I don't know that we see Julio Jones the rest of this Akini. year. Akini. And then uh, I don't know that we see. Um, I don't know what we see with AJ Brown either. Then Gage, then Josh Reynolds. Yeah. I I'm taking Deshaun Jackson first. Um, he converts the low percentage targets at a higher rate than most. Um, and he's still, well, he, you know, he's not fast like he used to be. He's still pretty fast. I, I like Bourne. Uh, I actually roster Bourne and I think all of my redraft teams, I have already have Bourne on them. So I can't go get him. Do you call it the Bourne identity? I don't, I don't, you know, but I, I think Reynolds could play him with his way into a roster spot in Detroit next year. Uh, he's working really hard. And Westbrook Akini, uh, you know, I think these are all pretty good options outside of Russell Gage. I don't know that you can really go wrong. I think a couple of them you're looking at floor people and a couple of them you're looking at ceiling plays. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, born number one. Then I like Westbrook Kikini. It's uh, important to note that he's on the bye this week, but he's been getting touchdowns and looks, and as we noted, Tennessee has no receivers. Then I actually like Reynolds. Um, I think he has chemistry with Jared Goff because they were together in L.A. Then I would go to Sean Jackson, who feels like a little bit more of a boom-bust option, and I want no part of Russell Gage or the Atlanta Falcons passing game. Uh, last position is tight end. Uh, Dennis, the uh, hot options are Tyler Conklin, 36.5%. Evan Ingram hanging out there, 32.4%. Cole Komet, who had another pretty decent game, 18.6%. And Jack Doyle, who was the man on Sunday, 1%. Uh, I'm going Komet, Ingram, Conklin, and Doyle. You know, Conklin, it, with Conklin, it's a touchdown or four points. At five points. It's, you know, three catches, 20 yards. That's, that's Conklin. At least with Ingram, he could get, he's a three catch 60 yard guy, which, you know, you're not necessarily as reliant on him getting a touchdown, but Komet's getting pretty good volume. He seems to be the guy there in Chicago. He did get vultured by Jimmy Graham last week, I think, but, uh, and, you know, Doyle, I start Doyle in a league. It's a start two tight ends. And I, I, I just don't have anybody else. 
Yeah, I mean, Doyle, I think, may have been a, um, a little bit of just the matchup last week um, and, and the fact that Pittman was really kind of getting shut down. And, and Carson Wentz has been playing really good this year. I think he needed to lean on someone uh, because it seemed like Wright just did not want to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor for for God knows what reason uh, because he was really kind of actually doing some damage to that, that defense in the second half. Uh, it would be hmm, Mick Komet, I think. I mean... I don't know what's going to happen with Allen Robinson. If Dalton stays the guy, I actually think Komet might have some serious value moving forward. I don't know what's going to happen with Justin Fields. Then Conklin, for me, as crazy as to say, Evan Ingram over Jack Doyle. Yeah, I think that's it for me, too. Komet's uh, my, my top option, but I don't feel great about it. He seems like he's kind of hit or miss, but hey, that's tight end. Then Conklin, um, I just think he's fourth at best in the pecking order. Evan Ingram, because I don't know what the hell the Giants are doing. And then Jack Doyle. If you bet on a Colts tight end, you're just asking yourself for some tears. Uh, as all the Mo Alleycox stands in the le- upper left-hand corner, will tell you. That will bring it to a close. Enjoy tonight's, uh, my or survive tonight's Monday night football matchup against the dreadful Seattle Seahawks at the underperforming uh, Washington football team. And Matt and I will be back on Wednesday to look at that game and all of its glory. Some rankings, maybe a little pop culture corner. We may have actually seen Hawkeye by then. Uh, yes, at least a couple of episodes. It. I've seen two. Okay, good. You know, this is where we plan the show out here. But yeah. other than that... Take it easy. Thank you again for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. Check us out on Twitter, FLA blog on Medium, and come back tomorrow for our brand new episode. Have a great day, guys.